Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. It was going to be a long week if the results continue to kind of go in the direction they were. A 9 nothing victory. I don't think Big anybody time. saw that coming. Three goals in each period. It was in a balanced attack and it was right off the jump. You get a goal two minutes and ten seconds in from Jeffrey Viel and then it was off and running for the team. So um, I know everybody was feeling good post game. You know, how could you not be? Um, Roy Sommer mentioned uh, just going into the week, how much better everybody feels going into the week, coming off a, a win in that type of fashion. You snap Colorado's nine-game winning streak. You get up to 70 points. So now you're in a three-way tie with Colorado and San Diego. And you just certainly feel a lot better because you don't play again until Saturday when you go into Tucson. And things were feeling a bit dicey. Had you lost that game on Sunday, you go into Tucson, who has two games this week, depending on the results, things could be very close. Tucson could essentially leapfrog you if they picked up both wins. But you get the win, and you're in a better spot, and everybody feels a little better. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was big for a whole lot of reasons. I think the whole weekend in general was big. Look at, looking back to Saturday even, you know, they unfortunately we were on the losing end of that one, 3-2. But I didn't think the Barracuda played a bad game. You know, it's just one of those games where sometimes the bounces just don't go your way. And unfortunately, a couple odd man rushes end up in the back of your own net. But they played pretty well. So going into Sunday, you know, I, I, I definitely didn't feel terrible about it. But a 9 nothing win is something I don't think anybody expected. Um, so to see the, the team just kind of explode for that kind of a, a, an outcome is pretty great. And you're getting a lot of guys who are breaking scoreless droughts. VL hadn't scored in a while. Hobgawaks hadn't scored in a while. Thomas Gregoire gets the first two of his you know, professional career. He was a plus six, which was amazing. Um, I just think it, it, it kind of rejuvenated guys a little bit, and hopefully it was something where they kind of were able to take a step back and look and say, hey, this is the game we want to play. These are the, this is the system we want to run, and if we can do that and do that in that fashion, that's the result you can get. Nobody should be able to, to kind of compete with you when you play that way. That's what we saw at the whole first half of the season was, was that same kind of style of play. I thought you know, some Coronash was great too. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it was, it was big because you really didn't know as far as standings go how things were going to shake out because with, with us being tied with San Diego and Colorado, those games were huge. But also Tucson is still starting to find a way to win again, uh, and they're not too far behind. So every game matters at this point, and they're all going to be tough moving forward. We're good together on a Tuesday. So just to give you context, because we'll be sending this podcast out on Wednesday, San Diego, they are taking on Manitoba in Manitoba tonight on this Tuesday. Iowa is in Tucson for the next couple of days. So the Roadrunners have two more games before they host San Jose this upcoming weekend. The 9-0 win was the most goals scored in a single game for the Barracuda. They had previously set um, the record was at 8. It's the largest shutout win, as the AHL Communications tweet out, since December 6th of 2015. Toronto beat Manitoba. That was a 9-0 win. You get the shutout for Cornosh, his fourth shutout of the season. Good to see him get back on track. We saw... Antoine Bebo get back-to-back starts. He came off a, a win against Stockton. They gave him the start again, trying to find maybe some chemistry in between the pipes. I didn't think he played bad. Unfortunately, he was in the losing side of things in that 3-2 loss on Saturday. Coronash comes back in, and he gets a shutout. So a lot of good positive things, as you mentioned, 
went on in Sunday's win. Yeah, I thought Joe looked pretty good too. He had some some real big, big saves on a couple breakaways that really could have changed the 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 makeup of the game. Like it could have easily swung one way or another if if uh, those goals end up going to the back of the net. So it was great to see those guys, uh, you know, get to where they need to be. But I think the hope is that this week now with, with Tucson having those games and San Diego having a game and then us playing Tucson twice this weekend, by the end of Sunday night, you know, going into Monday, the playoff picture could really – could be pretty clear, right? I mean, if if we're able to go in and take this weekend and take two from two from Tucson, that's a big eight-point swing and, and the – you know, magic number count or whatever. Uh, so things could either be really, really clear or they could be even more murky than they are right now. So uh, four huge games uh, for Tucson this week and two big ones for us this weekend. Absolutely. And so Tucson's at fifth-seeded team right now. They are nine points behind that pack of three at 70 points. Tucson, like San Jose, they have played less games than the rest of the division. Tucson's actually played 56. San Jose has played 57. Obviously, when those two teams get together, San Jose will have a game in hand on Saturday in Tucson because the Roadrunners will play two games previous to that point. So the Barracuda have games in hand on everybody in the division. Ontario has played 57, but they're out of the race. Right. So we won't really look at them too much. Um, it's really a five-team race for the final four spots in the division. And depending on, I think we're going to find clarity, depending on how things go for Tucson in the next week, it's their playoff lives are on the line. Oh, yeah. They can't find ways to get points. They're essentially out, and you've got four teams essentially jockeying for positioning in the division. Every game for them from here on out is a playoff game, and every game they're going to come out, it's going to be a desperate team looking for wins. So you, you can't take them lightly at all. Uh, and you really anybody on the remainder of the schedule for us, I mean, every team we're playing from here on out, is a playoff team or on the cusp of it with the exception of one game against Stockton, I believe, and one game against uh, Ontario. So aside from those two, and you can't overlook them either as division rivals, obviously Ontario's kind of had our number the past couple times we've played them. Um, you, you can't look past those because those games will set you back just as much as a, a loss against one of these playoff teams. So um, some potential playoff previews, definitely. Yep. Uh, but every game's tough, and you, you can't – we've – Every guy we've kind of brought on has said the same thing. There's no easy game in the American Hockey League. There's no easy game in professional hockey. So you can't take anybody too lightly, and you have to you know, really just stick to your guns and play your game. And I think the Barracuda will be okay if they can do that. San Jose has uh, – well, they picked up the win, but Tucson, who they'll play this upcoming weekend, they've won two in a row. They've kind of started to find their groove a bit. They had been struggling – um, prior to winning the last two games. So the Barracuda will go on to the road this upcoming weekend, Saturday and Sunday in Tucson, Wednesday in San Diego, and then back home to wrap up essentially the home schedule um, for the Barracuda. They'll have a home and road as they'll play Ontario, then Bakersfield. But just four more home games down the final stretch of the 11 games on the regular season schedule. So San Jose is going to uh, have to do some work on the road against mm -hmm. some very um, good opponents. Good road team too, though. We've been good on the road, and I think, you know, sometimes when you go on the road, it's, it's a better way to bring the group together. Yep, it is. And it's a great point. I think point. That, that, that's big. I mean, obviously, we're coming off a, a little homestand here, but getting the guys out, we got a big one coming up. We're going into Tucson and then to San Diego, come back here for a game, and then back on the road to Bakersfield. Then we had another stretch at the end of April, which has a couple, uh, couple road, a nice, decent, decently long road trip as well. So uh, that stuff should help out. I think it'll be nice for them to kind of get away for a little bit and not have to worry about the pressures of being at home and all that kind of stuff so yeah, who knows you know we're, we're obviously here hoping for the best we're planning for the best but anything can happen but I, I do feel pretty good about it we've got a pretty good cushion which I think we need to 
really, really, really drop off to, to fall, but I think we're in a good spot. Tucson, they revealed their third jerseys for next season. They, they won't wear them this year. It's kind of a almost a mashup jersey of the current Coyotes, the current Roadrunners, and the old Kachina jerseys that the Coyotes have worn this mm-hmm. year as the third jerseys, the black sweater. I thought they were pretty good looking. Yeah, they're sharp. They got a good reaction on social media from those. So. Yeah, I think people like them. I think, obviously, with them announcing theirs, it sparked, I've seen on social media a little bit, sparked a little conversation about you know, what colors should the Barracuda do for their you know, third alternate jersey. A lot of people like the black. A lot of people like the orange. There are people who like the teal and think that that should be our alternate because orange should be a primary. So there's a lot of options kind of floating around out there. Uh, I mean, our decision has been made on that. Uh, we're just not ready to reveal what that is to everybody yet. Um, but it's, we're confident everybody's going to like it. It's not going to be anything... Uh, that people are going to shy away from, that's for sure. We're not jumping the gun. We are not predicting playoffs. We like our spot in the standings right now. We feel confident the team can get into the postseason, but we are working on some rally towel type stuff. We're just looking ahead, a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. You, you have to, though. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You, yes. can't, you can't not plan, yes. right? Because yes. then if you get to that point where you do make the playoffs, you don't have anything ready to yes. go, that's a bad We're not going to put so. tickets on sale like yeah. San Diego did before we've clinched a playoff yeah. spot. We won't do that, but we've got to do a little bit of foreshadowing, yeah. so we're working on some rally towels and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, we, we got some ideas on the hopper, some things that are, you know, a lot of a lot of the same stuff we've done in years past, but, you know, with the, the talent that we have and, and the way this year has gone, you know, we're expecting to make a decent little run, so it's not just looking at the first round and what the potential is there, but what can we do for rounds two and rounds three, and how can we make each round a little bit bigger than the next, yeah. so uh, we are excited about it. Um, it's probably still a little too early to start talking playoff previews and yep. who we're nope, who we're, we're looking at, but um, you know, I I would imagine it's going to fall. We could land anywhere between two through four, really. So we, yeah, you could it's end up incredible. with Bakersfield, or you could end up with Colorado or San Diego. So it's it, like you said, it's it's hard to look now and and figure out where things are going to fall. But after this weekend, things could be a lot clearer, uh, and then we could maybe kind of go down that path. Yep, it's going to be fun down the final stretch. Again, feels a lot better to get that 9 nothing win. I was telling people after the game, um, some family members and such, they said, how'd the game go? And, you know, dropping 9 nothing. It's kind of just crazy. I mean, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah, everybody's, it's, where did that come from? Where where has this team been? Like, where where were they for the past, like, month and a half? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, yep. it kind of just had that explosion, and that's kind of the way... The way it goes, like, but everybody was in a great mood. Everything's better when you win, but everybody was buzzing. I mean, yep. we had the specialty jerseys, St. Patrick's Day, yeah. and I'm in, I got to go after the specialty jerseys. I go and I get all the jerseys signed, bring them upstairs. I've never had jerseys signed so fast. Everybody was like, yep, I'll sign, yep, yep. They were passing markers around. Everybody's ready to go, get them all signed. Usually it takes me 10, 15 minutes. I probably had them done in like five. Everybody was just on board, feeling great. The music was going. Guys were having a good time, so... You hope that that's something, you know, especially with the guys breaking those scoreless droughts that kind of clicks and, and starts pushing them back in the right direction. You mentioned everybody's feeling good down at the ice level following the game. We actually spoke to head coach Roy Sommer and defenseman Kevin Fitzgerald. What a brilliant goal by Fitzgerald. Can't get over he didn't, I, I grabbed him after the game uh, or after the first period to talk to him for an interview. And I was like, that was... That was unbelievable. And he goes, I don't even know what happened. It's almost he like, he's, he like blacked he's like, I blacked out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even see it. But, yeah, it was uh, – that was pretty. That was special. That was special. So let's uh, quickly uh, hear from head coach Roy Sommer. And after Roy, we'll hear from uh, Kevin Fitzgerald following that 9 nothing win over Colorado. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've had a few like that. I don't know if 9. I was kind of hoping for 10. But, 
because we've been on the other end of it, you know, recently. And uh, so it was good for the guys to kind of get their confidence going and, you know, get to the net and, you know, finally, you know, score some goals and, you know, get rewarded. Um, it's been kind of a long time coming, but that'll make for a good week of practice for us anyways. You get a few guys ending long goals. Strauss, Vielli does a lot for you, but he hasn't been scoring lately. Alper Walks gets one late. To get everybody kind of on board, I'm sure that was a big Well, it's when you came in today and you were telling me, yeah, Veal hasn't scored in 16, Hobbs hasn't scored in 18, and I went in the room and I go, hey, Hobbs, how many shots you get last night? He goes, none. And I said, well, how are you going to score goals? You know, you got to shoot the puck, and he did tonight. And He's actually been pretty good for us. He just hasn't been shooting it. You know, he's kind of waiting for the whites of his eyes or making for the perfect play, and just doesn't materialize that often. He did Kornosh to get the shutout. When he wasn't overly tested at the start, but he did make that big breakaway save on O'Connor. It was a 3 nothing lead at the time. He scores, and maybe it's a different complexion. So you finally got that save that you were kind of looking for. It was probably big to get him back kind of in the win column, too. Yeah, you know, you know, we got to get these guys thinking right, and uh, you know that was, you know, it was big on him. Uh, you know, he actually had a couple uh, redirects that he, I don't even know how he found the puck, and he made another big save. Uh, I think it was on the power play in uh, the first to kind of keep us in it and go in three nothing. But you know, the, the biggest thing it was it kind of was a kind of a nasty game, and we needed something like that. Think the jerseys had anything to do with it? Yeah, man. Every time we have these jerseys, we've won except uh, last week when we had the funky ones, uh, yeah. the Ninja Turtle ones or whatever. We didn't win, but every other one we've had this year, I think we've won. Going to the road for three straight, it's going to be a hard building in Tucson, but to get these two points, have the momentum in the week that's coming up. Yeah, you know what? We just start helping ourselves. These are this was a game in hand for us on Tucson. And it, you know, it just kind of gives us a little bit more breathing room. And uh, yeah, those games coming up this week are big. You know, we got some work to do to go in there. No, I haven't. It was pretty cool tonight. Uh, you know, we bounced back from yesterday, so it was a good win tonight. What kind of work for you guys? I know you've been pressing to try to find ways to score goals and, and hunker down defensively. It just seemed to all come together today. Yeah, I mean, yesterday we were kind of looking at the video, so we were preaching, getting all uh, all the pucks on net today, and. I think we had about like 21 shots in the first period, so we just kept that going through all three periods, and we were pretty good. Walk us uh, through that goal. Uh, guy kind of blows the tire. It leads to you going on a breakaway, and the finish was pretty impressive. Yeah, I got pretty lucky. He blew a tire there, and I just went down and tried to outskate the other guy. I just had my head down the whole time, and I don't know, just went in. I kind of blacked out and scored. When you guys took that 3 nothing lead, you had the you know the letdown yesterday in the second period, allowing the three goals. What was kind of the message in the locker room as you guys wanted to continue to put the pedal to the metal? You know what? I didn't think we played too bad yesterday. We, uh, we played a good, solid about 50 minutes, and we needed to play 60, and that's what we did tonight. So funny insight there from Fitzgerald, as he mentioned, he blacked out. Just to get the win, everybody has this extra little pep in their step. Nine nothing. How could you not uh, have that type of energy? Over a good team, too. That Colorado really team. Really good team. They are no slouch, and they play a physical game, which we I think we matched up pretty well with them in that regard. And their goaltending has been very, very good. And we chased Francis fairly early, and then we got to their backup as well. Yep. Who, you kind of take that with a grain of salt because a guy comes in cold, it's a yep. little bit. You can kind of chalk that up a little bit, but they've been great. So to to see the offense explode on a team like that, it's impressive. Yep. And Francis over because he had won eight straight games. He hadn't allowed three goals in any of those wins. So you know he hadn't allowed three goals in his last nine games he had played. 
and the Barracuda able to get him out of the game before the halfway point of the second period, yeah. right? So he allows five goals on, I want to say, 15 shots, if, if I remember correctly. Um, and they get him out of the game, then Spencer Martin comes in and didn't have much, uh, much better success. So um, extremely impressive in the way they did it against, again, as you mentioned, Joe, a very good Colorado team playing their best hockey of the they year. They won nine in a row. They had won nine in a row. They were winning tight games. They were winning um, games in comfortable fashion. They were just finding ways to, to come out of there. And you could see it at the end of the game. A.J. Guerrero, a guy who really plays uh, with his emotion on his sleeve, he was getting frustrated. He had a breakaway mm-hmm. late that Coronach made a save on. He waxed his stick against the boards. And it was just kind of one of those nights for Colorado. They just didn't have an answer for San Jose. So that could potentially be an opening round matchup between those two clubs. I tell you so what, that'd to be get a, a win like that, be a fun from one. a psychological standpoint, goes a really long way against a very talented Colorado team. And depending on what the Avalanche do, um, potentially they could get a couple guys back. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Agazino is their leading goal scorer is up right now in the NHL. So if the Avs don't make the playoffs, they're one of those bubble wild card teams of the Western Conference. They don't make the playoffs. I assume they're going to get a couple guys back. And um, you know, it's going to be certainly interesting. But that's a big game. You can kind of hang your hat on yeah, as you look back. That I mean. Even even though it was a, I guess both games that weekend. Even though it was nine nothing on Sunday, they had a, a playoff intensity to them. Yep. There's definitely Chippy some. Fights. There's definitely some bad blood between you know our guys in Colorado, and it, it it would make for an interesting playoff matchup. That's that's for sure. It would. And it would. It, not only would it make an interesting playoff matchup, but you add the element of the travel. Because that's going to be the farthest team in the division. You expect a couple-hour flight. How does that kind of play in, you know, to how things work on on what team would start at home because it's over the 300-mile mark. So, you know, if you're playing a best-of-five series, the team, the higher seed, gets to choose. So do you decide to start at home? Do you decide to start at the road? That's a really hard building to win in. They get one of the best, you know, some of the best crowds in the league. They get crowds, you know, on Mondays and Tuesdays, let alone the weekend crowds. So it's going to be an extremely hostile environment. They're, you know, they're accustomed to winning there. They've won Kelly Cups the last two years. This is their first year in the American Hockey League. So that I think that would be a really tough opening test, being the fact of how hostile of a road environment. But you can also look at San Diego. That doesn't get much easier in terms of a road mm-hmm. environment. Uh, Bakersfield, too, Bakersfield as of late. They've, they're pulling better. in some huge yeah, crowds. Yep, they had a huge crowd the other night, um, too. So it's not going to be easy no matter what route, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but... That was that was fun. You got a, a taste. I, I can see it in the Sharks games as of late too. There's just this extra elevation of intensity. Every check is finished. You know, there's this extra is, hacking and whacking and hooking and spearing, and you know, words being exchanged. And uh, man, it is a, it is the best time of year. It is the so greatest. fun. So the fun. greatest. So let's uh, let's welcome in um, our guest today, Barracuda Ford Maxime Latunov. We were expecting to have. His roommate as well, uh, Dylan Gambrell. Uh, Gams had, had some stuff he had to do, so we weren't able to get him on this time, but we'll get him in a couple weeks yeah. um, before, the, before the regular season ends. Um, so without further ado, we'll welcome in Barracuda Ford, Maxime Latunov. All right, we welcome in Barracuda Ford, Maxime Latunov, to join us here on the Kuda Confidential Podcast. Maxime, appreciate uh, you taking a bit of time with us and uh, you know, getting on the pot. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Big nine nothing win for you guys the other day. Uh, before we move forward and touch on some stuff, maybe away from the rink and kind of your um, career in hockey, big win for you guys. You guys need points. Um, I don't know if anybody predicted a nine nothing win, but uh, had you ever been part of something like that before? And what was it like being on the bench? Did you guys just continued to fill the net? Yeah, you know, uh, whenever you get that big of a win, it's always fun, fun to be a part of it. Uh, 
And for us right now, like you said, like we need points, but uh, I think uh, that game was just like a turning point for us. Uh, we've been struggling to score goals um, and just struggle to have um, fun on the ice. So I think that was uh, really you know, a big step towards uh, the playoff push and, uh, you know, looking forward for the next games, got to keep it going. And, I mean, I I've had games like that in my career, uh, but uh, not not as of late and not uh, definitely not in college. And uh, to have that success on a pro level, you know, um, speaks a lot about our team, I think. You mentioned the pro level. You're coming from three years of collegiate hockey playing at UConn. You know, the collegiate schedule was about half of what the American League Pacific Division schedule was. And, you know, a lot of the question marks, I think, with the young players is how do they get through that wall at this point in the year? How has that been for you as you go through kind of the dog days of the season and now you got to continue to stay mentally sharp as you guys try to make a, a playoff push here? Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Uh, also, like you play in, in pro hockey, you play games in the middle of the week as well. Um so yeah, I mean, it just uh, takes time to to get used to it and understand what you have to do uh, throughout the week and day in day out, um, how to treat your body. So obviously, older guys and uh, second year guys uh, showed the way, and uh, uh, so far it's been really good. What is what's your path been like? So obviously, being a college guy, and you played in the USHL. So how did you get? You know, you're born in, in, in Russia, how do you kind of make the transition to coming over to the United States to play hockey and then deciding to go play in college instead of a major junior program? What was that like? Yeah, I always thought that, uh, well, my goal was make to make NHL at some point, and uh, I thought uh, after speaking to my family, and we thought that it would be easier and a quicker way if you come over to the United States early, um, at like around 15 like I did, and... Uh, uh, start working from here, get uh, get noticed, uh, be on the radar of American scouts or Canadian scouts, and uh, um, that's how it started. And uh, once I had a couple seasons uh, in America already, playing uh, AAA and uh, AA my first year, kind of started understanding how the leagues work and... Uh, um, where guys usually go after AAA and uh, after either USHL or uh, CHL. So, and I thought for me, uh, like college college route would be the best. Just uh, having more years to develop and prepare for uh, pro hockey. What was it like playing? Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, what was it like playing? You know, USHL before you went to you know Connecticut. You played two years in Youngstown, which is considered one of the better organizations in the USHL. What was that experience like? You know, as you got ready for the college level. Well, originally it was a really big step uh, between AAA and USHL. Uh, guys are older, stronger, so. Uh, that jump wasn't easy at first, but uh, like same same as here, it just took time and uh, adjustment. But uh, um, also de was debated between CHL and USHL, and uh, uh, I went to visit Youngstown and uh, elect the coaching staff, the players at that moment, and. Uh, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. <laughs> After the USHL, you end up going to play uh, at, at UConn. What was that decision process like? Was UConn at the top of your list? Were there other schools interested? Kind of how did you narrow it down to being a Husky? Yeah, I, I had a couple of options. Uh, 
I was mainly focused on the Hockey East, I think, because, uh, you know, it's it's one of the top top leagues. Yeah, Yeah. it's the top end of uh, college hockey. And uh, um, UConn specifically, I I also went on a visit, and uh, the campus is beautiful there. Um, Met the coaching staff as well. uh, They showed me around, you know, and... uh, they at that moment they were, I think, just finished their first year of hockey East, and uh, I wanted to be part of something new and, uh, you know, create kind of like a legacy and start it from the bottom. What were some of your so hockey East? Obviously, there's a lot of powerhouse schools in there. Your Boston College, your your BU, your Northeasterns. What what were some of your favorite schools to play against or some of your favorite buildings to go in and play into? Because they're all pretty unique as far as where those teams play. Yeah. Um, I think Boston University games are always fun, uh, always competitive. I think we kind of developed a rivalry. Um, we we always get a huge crowd against them. Uh, so I, I think uh, for some reason, specifically on that day, the guys are really excited to play and uh, – just makes the whole uh, like college experience much better because all of the students are excited for that day as well. And, uh, yeah, just awesome. You were drafted 52nd overall by St. Louis, and that was in between your first and second year in the USHL. So when you originally went through that draft process and you go to the combine and you get ready, did you have an idea where you were going to go? Did your agent uh, and, and maybe analysts give you an idea on where you would maybe be slotted? Do you expect to be taken in the second round, or was it kind of you know just up in the air and didn't really know what to expect? Um, it, it, it's up in the air. You never know until the last second, uh, until you get picked. Uh, I, I was thinking, yeah, between maybe late second, uh, somewhere early third, didn't really know exactly what team. I talked to a couple of them. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you, you kind of just sit there and wait, you, and then finally you hear your name, and uh, you don't really know what pick it is. Uh, you know what round it is, kind of, but uh, it, it, everything kind of goes uh, in shock, and uh, you're just happy to hear your name and, uh, you know, just come down there, and then once uh, – once you get the jersey, you put the jersey on, nerves come down, and then you get to experience the whole, uh, uh, the whole experience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, st- going back to the college hockey route, we talked about some of those fun buildings. Which ones do you think were the most, which schools were the most intimidating to go play at? Or which, I guess that's one question. And the second question is, were there any guys that you played against who just absolutely blew you away with, with their skill level who maybe have moved on to play at a higher level? Uh, good question. I mean, uh, every building is fun to play. Like every college game is fun to play. I would say the toughest building is either Providence or uh, Vermont. It's pretty tough too. It's an old uh, kind of small building, and uh, uh, fans really get really excited uh, there. Um, and it's always tough to play against the team there. Um, so what was the second as far part? as like is there anybody that you played against at any of these schools who were just just kind of blew you away with how talented they were? Yeah, I don't think there's like a, a specific person who stood out to me. I think just w- those top teams is uh, in the league. There, it's just playing against them is is tough in general. Like every player can make a play, and uh, they they all play together and kind of like a pro hockey. Um, 
obviously every team has somewhat a star on their team, but uh, I was just more impressed how um, that teams come like together and play uh, as as one. Who's the guy that you looked up to as as a kid, as maybe a guy you wanted to mold your game after when you were a young kid growing up in Russia to get to the NHL, play like them, you know, kind of idolize them? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think Pavel Datsuk is one of my favorites. Uh, still, sometimes watch his highlights before our games. Uh, you know, maybe try to uh, improvise and do uh, some of the same stuff he he could do, which is hard to do, but. Uh, um, yeah, and right now I think uh, I look up to Evgeny Malkin as well. Uh, he plays a hard game, skill game, and uh, um, I, I think that's what I have to do to to be in the next level. When you get traded from uh, Arizona coming over to San Jose, what was your what was your thought process? What was going through your mind when that all went down? When you found out? <laughs> well, that was a second trade already, right? So I. Uh, I didn't really know what to think. Uh, if it's a good thing, bad thing, uh, get traded twice, never never played in the NHL yet, uh, or pro hockey. Um, but after I got a call from San Jose, uh, already after I got traded, uh, uh, they welcomed me really well. And, uh, uh, you know, and once I came out here for a development camp uh, the first time, it uh, it felt like home. You know, being now in the Bay Area, kind of absorbing the lifestyle of a professional hockey player, um, I'm sure you've enjoyed your time away from the rink. What is kind of a few hobbies that fans um, wouldn't know about you that you enjoy doing on days off uh, like you had yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> you know, having the weather like it is here is is great just for getting away from the rink and uh, have a positive mindset. And uh, uh, something I do is play a lot of golf uh, started as last summer and, uh, and not as bad as I thought I would be so uh, kind of stuck to that and trying to get better at that too a um, couple other I would say um, I like shopping going to the malls and just hanging around people um, I think those those two are the main ones if you played any I mean how many courses you play you guys have a lot of days off play a lot of golf is there any course in this area that you really like that you would recommend people to go to if they're looking to swing the sticks <laughs> I think I think every course is nice here I've been uh, I've been to two so far and Santa Teresa and uh, Boulder Creek Ridge is that Boulder, Ridge, yeah, yeah. Boulder Ridge um, I'm looking to go to uh, Coyote Creek maybe sometime this week so but yeah, so far I think every course is great and uh, just nice to get out of the house and uh, enjoy the weather. We'll have Dylan Gambrell on the podcast in a couple of weeks. He was going to join you today, but he had some uh, other stuff he had to take care of. Uh, he's your roommate, and you guys uh, decided to be roommates this uh, off-season. You had a bit of connection as you talked to us um, off-air uh, about just kind of your past to where you're at right now. Uh, I want to ask you some questions about your roommate real quick. Um, first, who is the cleaner of the two, and who is the better cook? I say I'm definitely the better cook. Um, <laughs> would he fight you on that? You have a look on your face that seems like he would say otherwise. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he would. Uh, sometimes he he asks me for not a recipe, but maybe how exactly to cook it, how long, and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I, I think I'll, I'm a better one in that one. And uh, cleaning, I think we're both pretty clean. Uh, 
take turns. We, I don't have to ask him to clean, and he doesn't have to ask me. So that, that part's been really good for us. You got any, you got any pet peeves that he does that kind of just drive you nuts? <laughs> oh. Does <laughs> he so not take out the trash? Does he not do the dishes? Trying to get some dirt. Ooh, I know. I, I'm trying to think of one. That's good, though, if you don't. I mean, it sounds like you guys have, you know, on the same page. It, 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 we're, we're definitely on the same page. It's, uh, it's a good atmosphere in the room. Um, yeah, actually, I do have one. Uh, at the beginning of the year, when uh, in the summer, when it got really hot and stayed hot, you know, Dylan loves it really cold in the room and uh, turn, turns the AC to, like, 65 sometimes or 66 and you know I'm uh, yes I'm from Russia but I I don't like cold so I always would go like in the middle of the night and crank it up a little bit and he'll get mad at me so that's a pretty common one that's like yeah, that, yeah I, it is a common yeah. one that's impossible uh, to get correct but some but people like it some, freezing. I'm like I'm like I'm like that too I'm like games I like it when it's nice and cold yeah I'd rather be cold than I like hot any day of the week when it's cold like if it's hot out yeah I, it's hard for me to sleep because I I like when it's really cold, and then you can, you know, throw the sheets over. But well, I'm still a guy who like wants to keep it at 70 and uh, not go lower than that. But other than that, honestly, he's been pretty good so far. Um, we we alternate driving to the rink sometimes, and no problem there either. So you might have to ask him on that question. Oh, as we're well. gonna. Yeah, <laughs> we will. We will. You mentioned that you're you're into golf. Is there any other sports that you played as a kid? Is there anything else that you kind of, if you weren't going to be a pro hockey player, that you envisioned yourself doing? Yeah. I actually got that new hobby a couple days ago. Uh, well, it wasn't not really a hobby. I always enjoyed racing and kind of go-karts and stuff like that. Uh, so there's a, there's a new show on Netflix, the Formula One. Uh, it's Netflix original, I think. And... Uh, it's pretty interesting to see how uh, how the motorsport works. So I think if I wasn't a hockey player, I would definitely try out the racing part. Um, but also played a lot of soccer growing up. Uh, I don't think I would be a professional soccer player, but that's definitely one of my hobbies as well, which I play in the summer. Racing is an interesting one. I remember we did the go-karts, and if I remember correctly, didn't you you, you crash a couple times? You yeah, take a couple people yeah, out? yeah. <laughs> It wasn't my brightest moment. Yeah. Uh, um, I might have been one of those people. <laughs> um, it could, it could have been, yeah. But, uh, you know, in racing, you, you can't cheat like that. You can't, can't crash into someone because you damage your car. Oh, that's, hey, you're out of the race I as well. I think you're the one who crashed into me. So That was a lot <laughs> of fun, though. We've done that a couple of years now where we go to the K1 racing. Everybody goes together. It's good team bonding. Uh, type of situation and good competitiveness. I think A Rod, our assistant equipment manager, was probably the best. Also, somehow he's, the he's lightest. Yeah, he's somehow lightest. he just yeah. flies around the track. Yeah. Though. No, it's I was impressive to see. Honestly, I didn't expect him to be that. People were saying that he was pretty good, but you know, uh, I wish I was in a race with him, and I probably would try to crash him as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my last question for you is. You know, you've been through now over, you know, three quarters of the season. You kind of know what to expect here at the American Hockey League level. Um, as you kind of give yourself a self-assessment, you mentioned you want to get to the NHL. That's the dream. I think everybody here, that's what they want to do. So what do you feel like, what part of your game do you need to tweak and what do you need to improve to make that step and elevate your game to get to the next level? Yeah, I think uh, you, you, you have to uh, go through AHL and experience a pro hockey uh for sure, and I think uh, the biggest thing for me 
right now is uh, just getting stronger, uh, uh, you know, have a he heavier stick, uh, uh, be on top of the puck more, and, uh, yeah, just uh, winning more battles. And uh, I'm definitely going to work on, uh, on the strength in the summer, and uh, hopefully that, that will pay out. Yeah, I think that's pretty one. Actually, one more question. You've been playing with Hensick mm -hmm. and Radil, and it seems like just two games you guys have had some instant chemistry. You know, with guys like that, veteran players who've been around, mm -hmm. they know how to play the game the right way. You know, what, if you, it seems like you've certainly kind of thrived in that role down the middle with those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I played with Radil at the beginning of the year uh, a couple of games before he got called up, and uh, I think we had some chemistry there as well. And... Uh, yeah, TJ, he, he, he's been uh, in the league for a long time. He knows uh, um, what he has to do, and uh, he knows how to help me to, to reach my potential. And, uh, but it's honestly even impressive just for me, you know, how, how well we work together in a, in a small amount of time. So I uh, can't wait for next games to come and see how, um, how can we improve on that. Yeah, we're down to the final stretch. Some important games on the docket and playoffs right uh, you yeah. know, on the horizon as well. So we're looking forward to seeing this team and kind of seeing how they can fulfill the potential. Certainly, this team is oozing with talent. So it's an exciting time of year. And Max, man, appreciate it. Best of luck. You know, we'll be uh, watching and we'll be rooting along as uh, you guys try to make this run here. Yeah, thank you very much. It was nice, uh, nice to be here. Appreciate Thanks. it. So good stuff there from uh, Latunov. We appreciate him taking a bit of time with us uh, sitting down. I liked. I thought he was had some really good answers. Yeah, he's good. Really it's one of those guys who's you know one of the guys in the locker room is a little bit quieter. Yep. He does have a, an outgoing personality. He likes yep. to joke around, but he's definitely a little bit more reserved. So it was cool to kind of get him to open up a little bit and learn a little bit about his his path coming into the league yep. and how him and Gams are meshing his roommates. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and he didn't have anything bad to say. He didn't throw yeah. his roommate under the bus. Uh, all positive things about uh, cleanliness and cooking ability. Um, and these type of interviews are fun for us, I think, because it gives us a little bit of an inside scoop on, you know, their personalities away from the ice, also their, their background in hockey. And then I think our plan is to reconnect with these guys in the summer and as they go back home and as they kind of get ready for the upcoming season and do off-season training and, you know, just get away from the game we can reconnect and kind of even dive in and crack the, the nut, uh, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. even more. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought it was a, he had some good answers, uh, well-spoken, obviously, um, college, uh, college guys. So mm -hmm. um, three years at Connecticut. So uh, we thank Max for that and uh, appreciate him stopping by. Got anything else before we wrap this up? That's kind of it, yeah. I didn't, uh, didn't send out the bat signal for any questions this week. So I've actually I've kind of slacked on that uh, the past couple. But it's okay. we've, kinda, we'll we've, we've come up, uh, yeah. Um, next week we've got a game in San Diego on Wednesday. Most likely, we'll see. Maybe the pod won't come out until Friday. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do it next yeah. week, actually, because yeah. you guys are on the road. You don't get back until, I think, Thursday. And even then, that's probably a day off. So probably a day off. Unless we end up doing a phone-in type thing yeah, next we'll, week, which, I don't we'll know, see, you guys will be determined. enjoying San Diego. I don't want to take away from your, your time down there. But, uh, yeah, maybe we take a week off. We've already done, like, 21 episodes. That's, that's, that's not bad. That's crazy. We've got to find a way to get on iTunes. Yeah, do I, just, I don't, I don't think know. It's, I think it, don't think it's very hard. We just yeah. we gotta, we'll look into it. We'll yeah. have to talk to we'll our, our, our behind-the-scenes radio guy, yeah, Aaron we'll Fonseca. Yeah, 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 there we go. There we go. He was like, oh, yeah, once you guys get to 12, you're good. Well, we're <laughs> at 21 or 22 now, so. Let's go, Fonseca. Get it together. That's all for me. That's it.
Appreciate everybody tuning in. We will try to talk to you next week. I think we'll plan on doing something, but it just depends on which day. But uh, until then, see you. See you.